Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. I believe this is episode 32. And today we have another special guest episode. And I welcome back to the podcast for his second appearance, Stuart Wanamaker. Stuart, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you for having me back again, Joshua. Yeah, no problem. Really looking forward to this one because we're going to talk some UNC basketball today. We have a huge game tomorrow against number nine, Wisconsin, Friday, 7, 10 p.m. And if we win, we face the number one seed Baylor Bears. Uh, I mean, Stuart, you know more UNC sports than I'd say a lot of people. Uh, we had a fantastic episode talking about our bowl game against Texas A&M. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Let's just hop straight into it. Uh, before we get into UNC, uh, I want to talk about your bracket a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll just start off with a couple upset picks. So uh, what are a couple upsets that you have uh, uh, that uh, in, in your bracket that you have a good feeling about? Yeah, so I actually have, um, now that I'm looking at it, I have three 12-5 upsets. I, I like a lot of the 12 seeds here. Um, and actually, you'll be surprised to hear that the one 12-5 upset that I decided not to pick this year um, was actually Georgetown over Colorado. And I can explain that because while Georgetown's a very hot team right now, and that's uh, probably the most common favorable 12-5 upset match to pick this year, um, I didn't realize Colorado is, I think they're either the best or close to the best free throw shooting team in the nation. And that got me thinking that as a Carolina fan, I've seen how uh, detrimental and also impactful the free throw line is uh, in, a, in a game of basketball. Um, we've lost many of games um, on the inability to make free throws, but we've also beaten teams like this year when we beat Florida State was inherently because of the free throw line. Um, and so I just don't know if I could pick my, uh, I, I don't know if I could have picked against uh, one of the best free throw shooting teams in the nation. I think the ability to control the foul line is, is huge. Um, but I, I actually do like I have Winthrop over Villanova because of the injuries to Villanova. I have Oregon State over Tennessee just because Oregon State's really high right now. They won the Pac-12. And then I actually have UC Santa Barbara over Creighton just because it, it looked like Creighton was not themselves in the uh, Big East Championship game. And UC Santa Barbara's coming in very hot as well. So those are my 12-5 seeds. And then other than that, um, I don't have any two – I don't have any like 13, 14, or 15 upsets. Um, but I do have a couple 10-7 upsets. I like Rutgers. Um, and I like Virginia Tech, uh, and then I also like Michigan State to beat BYU. Yeah, Michigan State with their playing game tonight at 10 o'clock. Uh, I believe they play UCLA, but that's a really good point that you bring up about Colorado because I am one of the people who picked Georgetown uh, to advance in that game, and uh, their star guard, McKinley Wright, is fantastic uh, for, for uh, Colorado. But, uh, I mean, yeah, free, free throw shooting is, is much more underrated than uh, people might realize. I mean, we've seen it as Carolina fans, but most of these games go down to the wire. And you got to sink your free throws if you're in the lead uh, to um, to really maintain that lead. Um, so I'm actually really excited for that Colorado uh, Georgetown game. Um, now let's go to sleepers. Do you have uh, a potential like middle seed around the five to twelve range going to the Sweet Sixteen or making a little bit of a deep run? Uh, I, I uh, to give you an example, I guess a Winthrop I have in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, and uh, yeah, that might be my only double-digit C, but anyways, a sleeper team. Yeah, so uh, I actually like, I have UConn to beat Bama in the round of 32. I have them going to the Sweet 16 to play Texas. I like UConn. Um, and then I also actually have Syracuse not only beating San Diego State, but also beating West Virginia. Just seeing how hot Syracuse can get shooting the ball um, with Buddy Beheim and 
that team always seems to do well in the tournament. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when they were the 10 seed, they actually made it all the way to the final four. And uh, while sometimes they're, they're fairly lackluster in the regular season, they always seem to put together some magic in the tournament. Um, so I like Syracuse. I like UConn. Um, and I actually have UC Santa Barbara winning their round of 64 and their round of 32 games against Creighton and Virginia, respectively. Um, so I like them to make the Sweet 16, but then um, obviously I have them losing to Gonzaga. So. Yeah, I mean that Syracuse team, like you said, they're playing they're playing well at the right time. Buddy Bayheim is just he was shooting out of his mind the past few games. And that that's a pick. That's an upset pick. I'm going with San Diego State, but that's one where, you know, I might regret because combined with uh, with Bayheim shooting in that two three zone uh, that can really uh, prove to be difficult for some teams, especially if they can't shoot it well uh, from behind the arc. Um, but let's just get down to it. Your final four and your champion. Uh, I obviously I, I explained my bracket uh, um, last episode. So if you missed that great episode uh, with, with a friend from high school. Um, but uh, Stuart, yeah. Top final four. Yeah. So one thing before my final four I wanted to point out was I think the game that a lot of people are looking at, Josh, and I know you were looking at it too, was Loyola Chicago, Georgia Tech. I actually, I just changed that pick to Loyola Chicago because I found out today that Moses Wright will not be playing in their first game against Loyola Chicago. And I did not know that. Um, But anyway, into my final four, I have Gonzaga versus Texas on the left side of the bracket. And I have Ohio State versus Houston on the right side of the bracket. And I have both Gonzaga and Ohio State. advancing to the championship game with Gonzaga as the winner. And I know that's kind of boring, but I just don't see anyone beating Gonzaga in this tournament. Yeah. I mean, uh, Gonzaga, they're just a different team this year. The Houston picks really intriguing. Uh, I have them in my elite eight. I really like their team match. I think people are, are uh, sleeping on them a bit. Uh, the Loyola Chicago that I saw that last night and I immediately switched my bracket too to have Loyola win. Uh, Moses Wright is just such an integral part of that team. Like you said, ACC player of the year. It's really a shame uh, for how good of a season Georgia tech has had to kind of lose their best player to um, COVID, especially with like how short they are. Uh, with their bench they really only have four guys um, so that, that is a huge loss for the Yellow Jackets but uh, uh, either way um, I'm so excited to see how it, uh, how this tournament unfolds um, I also have Gonzaga and, and Ohio State and what, what was your last team again uh, I had Gonzaga Texas Ohio State Texas yeah so yeah that, that I mean definitely like that final four Texas is a team I'm scared of I picked Bama uh, Texas is, I mean, they're, they're as hot as anyone right now. We saw what they did against Oklahoma state, uh, in their, f- uh, tournament final game, but, um, let, let's transition UNC basketball, uh, playing Wisconsin. Um, I will start off with a couple notes about Wisconsin. I've actually, I haven't seen Wisconsin play this year. They are in the big 10, which has been absolutely loaded with talent, uh, this year, uh, uh, they, they're two and six in their last eight games, but they played some of the, the top Big Ten competition. I believe they played Iowa twice. They played Illinois. They played Michigan, didn't beat any of those teams. Um, this is a very disciplined Wisconsin team. Uh, they have the lowest turnover rate in the country, um, and they, they're just not going to beat themselves. And they're led by uh, some experienced seniors. Uh, their top three scores are seniors. Uh Dimitri Trice averages about 14 a game. Micah Potter has 13 a game. And Brad Davison uh, averages about nine a game. Um, 
they don't really have a big win on their schedule. Actually, I kind of looked, they haven't really knocked off a, a top big 10 team. Like, like Rutgers has Rutgers uh, beat Illinois earlier in the season. Um, and I think a big thing to note, they only shoot, they only shot 32.7% from the three point line in league play. Um, so they're not the best shooting team. Um, and w- with that information known, uh, what do you think UNC needs to do in order to advance the round of 32? Man, um, there's a couple things, and it all depends. I think we'll know the outcome of this game in probably like the first four minutes and do the under-16 timeout. Um, it depends which UNC team comes to play. Um, if the team that showed up to play Notre Dame in the ACC tournament comes to play, I think we can easily handle business against Wisconsin. If not, um, it'll be it'll be close because while we have like the rebounding advantage, I think we're the number one rebounding team in the country, and Wisconsin is not as as – great in the rebounding department. Um, the reason we are so good in the rebounding department is because while we have plenty of, of big man talent down low, um, it's because we can't ever convert on our first shot. Um, and you'll see that we get second, third, fourth opportunities because we cannot shoot well um, consistently throughout the season. Um, so the, the note that you bring up about them not being able to shoot well from deep, um, I don't think we have them beat in that category. I think we have them beat down low, but I think it'll, it'll, entirely depend on two things, whether we can shoot the ball um, efficiently, um, not just from outside the arc, but from inside the paint too. Um, the big guys have got to finish. Um, and I think we, we've got to be careful with the ball. Um, I think Caleb Love and RJ Davis have to clean up their handle a little bit um, and be less careless with the ball because these games are now at a, at a different level, um, a different stakes. Um, so you you have to really take care of the ball and value every possession in these games because Wisconsin, like you said, is, is a fundamental and um, experienced team and they're not going to beat themselves. So we can't beat ourselves either. Yeah, really good points there. I, I mean, like you said, the freshman guards, they're going to be so crucial for UNC success in the tournament because um, just wasting possessions like they do, which often turn into fast break points for the other team. We can't afford to make those mistakes. We can't afford a 20 turnover game like we would. I believe we had around there uh, uh, the last few games of the season. I believe we averaged about 20. Maybe that was before the ACC tournament, uh, but regardless. And uh, a big thing for me is shot selection uh, for the guards. uh Whenever Caleb Love has the ball with about seven seconds left and he's going to ISO, I kind of know it's going to be a bad shot. And this is this is all this is on him, obviously, but this is just on the offense as a whole. We have to look for the best shot that we can get. The pull up threes. Um, I, I I remember the second time we played Florida State, uh, we were so three point happy. We just kept uh settling for jumpers we need to get this ball inside early we need to get armando going early get garrison going when dayron uh subs in we need to get these big guys shots down low uh to open up our offense and to get them to the free throw line so we can potentially get into the bonus because that's where we also capitalize um and then x factor this entire tournament is going to be Kerwin walton for me we need him to hit his shots from the outside and not only that we need him to hunt for his shot Against Florida State in the ACC tournament, he only had one shot in the first half. I mean, great shooters look for their shot, and they will pull up by any means whenever they get an ounce of space. Or uh, you, you get what I mean there. But, um, yeah, we need we need to get inside early. And Curry Wallen, we need him to convert from the outside. So I think that's a, a key to our offense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing that proposed or – Move forward our um, like 
comeback against Florida State in the ACC championship was you'd see that in the first half we were a little shaky, sort of like we were the, the second time we played Florida State when we made the come from behind win. Um, but then in the 15 to five minute mark in the second half, we were like a whole different team. We were actually moving the ball. We were getting the ball inside and then kicking it back out. Um, it was ball movement into out, not just around the perimeter. Um, we were getting touches by multiple people and then we were finding shots. Like you said, Kerwin Walton started shooting. He started shooting well. Um, once we realized he started hitting his shots, he would get open. We were driving and cutting and then kicking it out. Um, and it looked like we were going to make the comeback and win that game as well. And then the last four minutes of that game, we went stale. And I don't think I saw a pass inside and back out in the last four minutes of the game. It was a lot of dribbling by either Caleb Love or RJ Davis at the top of the key. Um, almost no passes at all. And if there were passes, it was just above the three-point line. There was nothing inside. There was no vertical threat there. Yeah, it, you said it very well. The over-dribbling in those final four minutes was such a big problem because our offense flows through the bigs. And with how well the bigs were playing uh, in that stretch in the second half against Florida State, we want to keep them involved because once Kerwin started making his threes and once the bigs were doing their thing inside, getting those second-chance opportunities, this offense really opens up. And then you get your driving lanes for, for a Caleb Love or, or RJ or even Anthony Harris, who's played pretty nicely uh, as of late. Um, another thing for me, and I felt a bit strongly about this, and I want to get your take on this, Stuart. Leaky Black, got to be the most frustrating player for me on this team because he's so good defensively, but I feel like offensively, he, he's just a non-factor and I love, and I love uh, his leadership again, defensively. He's so strong, but I believe that if we're in a close game with four minutes to go, we need to sub him out on every offensive possession. I know it's hard to do offense defense for that long. Normally that's only in the last minute or two, but I, I want to see a, a more aggressive score on the floor instead of leaky uh, in, in those last moments, because uh uh, with the two bigs and and leaky on the floor, there's not much shooting out there. So, uh, what 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 would you say to that uh, for uh, for that that proposal by me? I can see where you're coming from. Um, I think that Leaky Black is definitely a incredibly talented uh, defender and also a playmaker and on the passing side of the ball. What you don't see a lot is he may be one of the best passers on this team. Um, he's very good at finding um, cutters and open open players on his team because he knows he's not going to be the first offensive threat to shoot the ball. Um, so I think what you said about like the defensive offensive sub, I could see that, but I also think that uh, Leaky Black can also hit some of his free, some of his free throws a uh, majority of the time. Um, I wouldn't say as much as like Kerwin Walton or RJ Davis, who are obviously the two, you know, notable free throw shooters on our team. Um, but he's not a bad one. Um, so you'll see Roy sub Kerwin and normally Andrew Playtech in, um, offense, defense in, in a late game situation like that. Um, but I think that I just, I, I've always had faith in, in Leaky Black. I think that his athleticism brings a new thing to the court. And I think I'd agree with you if we were to sub him out, like you said, if we have two big guys, him, and then two guards on the floor, we really only have two shooters. But my question would be, who would you bring in instead of him who can play both defense and offense, um, who can add another shooter? Would you take Caleb, RJ, and Kerwin Walton on the floor at a time? Because I'd say if we had another shooter who you could bring in, then yes, I, I could see you subbing Leaky Black out from defense to offense. 
Um, but this team, our team this year is not the best three point or even shooting team. Um, so I'd say I'd probably keep him on the floor. Um, but I can, I can see your point. Yeah. And for Leaky, I would just love to see him be more aggressive. I actually happen to like his pull up mid range game and, and his ability to drive into the hole is a bit underrated. He's just not that assertive. Um, and if, if we need, if we're up, let's say like we're up a possession or two, I think Leaky, I mean, it's fine to keep Leaky in because he's going to make the right decision. Good basketball IQ. But if we're down a bucket or two and we really need to get a score, I would love to see RJ Caleb and Kerwin uh, uh, just and ride or die with them because those are three shot makers. Um, Caleb can create his own shot at times. Really nice mid-range game as well. Uh, RJ, that Virginia Tech game was was really good to see uh, see him kind of uh, have, have a, a signature game for the season. Um, I think it just depends the scenario uh, that we are in. Uh, I believe those freshman guards can get can get it done. Uh, I just know that uh, uh, when when it when it comes down to it, uh, the inexperience can play a role. And Leaky, he is a junior, and I know his leadership on the floor would be good. But if we need a bucket, I personally don't want him out there because um, I have much more faith in other people to. Uh, to, to knock down a three or or potentially a, like a kick out three or mid range shot. So, uh, but yeah, we we need him this tournament. He's gonna play a big role in, in how well we do. Yeah, I totally agree. I see your point there. That um, if we need a bucket late and we're down, I could I could understand taking Leaky Black out of the game. But hopefully, in my eyes, I don't think we'll have to be put in that situation against Wisconsin. I think I think both you and I, Joshua have UNC moving past Wisconsin in the first round. But then if we reach the second round and Hartford doesn't pull off the miracle upset, we would have to face the number one seed Baylor. And then I think we could potentially be put in that situation. So, Yeah, I mean, Seward do my job for me, transitioning right into that potential second round matchup against the Baylor Bears. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I did pick UNC against Wisconsin. Um, I, I think we can win that game pretty, uh, pretty, pretty easily, or have a manageable lead. It's that Baylor game that really scares me, and uh, you know that that's a tough draw because this Baylor team is really, really good. They are experienced. They have probably some of the best guard play in the country. They have a trio back there. Jared Butler, he averages 17 points, five assists, two steals a game, shooting 42% from the three-point line. Macy Oteague averages 16 a game, 39% behind the line. He hit 10 threes in a game this year against Texas Tech. And then Davion Mitchell, 14 points a game, five assists, 46% from behind the line. And each of them shoot at least five three-pointers a game. So this Baylor team is lethal from behind the arc and they are so good defensively. Um, And my concern is can our guards keep up? Uh, This is a guard oriented team. They don't have much in the middle. We can definitely dominate the paint against Baylor. And that is going to be our key to victory, but can our guards hang with, with the likes of Butler Teague and Mitchell, uh, two of those being future first round picks in the draft. Yeah. And short answer is no, I don't think we can, but it'd be great if we could. Um, I think the problem that we'll face there is if we do advance past Wisconsin and Baylor does advance past Hartford and we play each other, I think our guards will try to keep up early. Um, And I just, like you said, 39%, 46%, like those are incredible numbers. Um, And while we have, I'd say one consistent outside shooter, and Kerwin Walton, I don't think our guards will be able to keep up. And the problem is I think they will try to, and that won't end well for us. I think that if we can stay disciplined and if we can make good shot selection and make those good shots first try, 
um, I'd say we have a chance in this game because I think on the few misses that we do have, if we make a majority of our shots, our big guys can get those rebounds and we have the potential for second chance points. Um, but if Baylor shows up to play and they're, and they're knocking down those shots, I just, I don't see us as a team that is advanced and experienced enough this year to, to knock them off. Yeah. And, and for us offensively, Baylor's a, this is such a good balanced team. They, they force turnovers one fifth of uh, the other team's possession, which is just a, a crazy stat. So we're going to need to take, take care of the ball uh, like we will need to do in the Wisconsin game. Uh, the bigs will definitely need to dominate the paint there um, because these guards for Baylor, they can really defend. I mean, I'm pretty sure Jared Butler is a wooden, uh, uh, is a wooden finalist. Um, or I'm kind of blanking on the name for that award. I believe that's what it's called. But um, our, our best shot this game is to dominate the paint and maybe get lucky with Baylor having uh, an off shooting night. Um, as, yeah, I'm I'm with you though. I just don't think we're gonna we have the experience and talent to pull it off. Um, potentially if they shoot poorly, our our one saving grace uh, or a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Baylor came off of a three week COVID pause. Uh, a few weeks back and they lost to Kansas for their first loss of the season. And then they lost to Oklahoma state uh, in the big 12 tournament in the semifinals. And uh, their defense hasn't been as sharp uh, as it, as it once was to, to start the season. So if they aren't uh, on their game defensively and we have a good offensive shooting night, which a lot of things need to go right to win this game. Um, th- there's a small chance. It's, it's a slim one. I don't think we can pull it off, but uh I think th- these big guys really need to dominate uh, for us to have a shot. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think um, a couple of things would have to happen for us to win this game. And I think that if we come out um, and like I said, it, the Wisconsin game will all be decided in the first four minutes. And if we advance past that game, I think this game will be much of the same um, because UNC has two different teams that show up. We have a team that shows up and drops 50 points and 25 turnovers in a game. And then we have a team that, can show up and light up the court from anywhere, um, dropping 90 points a game. I believe the, the team that shows up to play Duke, if we if we come out and we show up as the team that has played Duke both games this season, I think we're one of the best, not best, better offensive teams in the country. And I think we can hang with a majority of teams in that regard. Um, but it'll just depend on, on which team shows up and which Baylor team shows up. Yeah, I mean, UNC is such an inconsistent team. Like you said, it's hard. You, we don't know which team uh, we are going to get. But if we made it past Baylor, that that would be a massive upset. Uh, this is this was, the I think, now they're the third best team in the country. But that will be a huge win because most of these guys for, for UNC, they are going to um, – they're, they're going to be here for a little longer. I I, I mean, that, that's a, a topic for another day for who could potentially go to the draft. But this is a core. This is a really good core that UNC has right now. And this tournament experience is going to be so valuable for guys like Kerwin, RJ, Caleb, uh, the Armando, all the big guys. Obviously, this is Garrison's kind of last ride because he's a senior. But uh, th- th- these are moments where this is this core could really grow together and uh, getting that win against uh, first off Wisconsin, but then beating that Baylor team, that would be huge for this, for this program to, you know, try to get back in the hunt for a national championship, but that remains to be seen. First four games are today. Uh, big games being the Wichita state game. They play Drake uh, and the mission state playing uh, UCLA with games starting tomorrow, all day, starting at 12, 15, I believe they go to uh, the next, the last game start at 11, but uh, aside from that, any last points you'd like to make, Stuart, about your bracket or uh, or UNC basketball? 
I just like to thank you again for having me here, Josh. Um, it's always fun. It's always always a good time. Um, and I'd just like to say that uh, we just got to keep fighting. Um, I know we we aren't the biggest seed in this tournament like we normally have been, but uh, that doesn't mean hang your head low and, and don't come out with any intensity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're we're gonna be watching this game together. Uh, hopefully, we can pull it out. Uh, that's gonna conclude this episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode of One Twenty Five Unfiltered. Had a, another fantastic guest episode uh, with Stuart Wanamaker. And with that being said, I will bring you the next episode after uh, the first and second round. So I'll do an analysis of the first two rounds and then a preview of the Sweet 16, potentially with another guest. I'll have to see. But once again, thank you so much for listening and have a nice rest of your day.